Lord's given me some good stuff, but uh, what we've been doing, uh, uh, you know, we did this last year, and we're doing this again uh, this year. Uh, we want to just kind of, uh, during the month of February, uh, me and Charity, we worked together, and uh, she did a couple of these, led them, I led a couple, we input on each other's, and it's kind of lower key, and uh, we get to sit down. We don't get to sit down when we preach uh, a whole lot, so. Do we do this every week? No. But, uh, uh. Uh, we'll, we'll get going with this, and I hope that you guys in, enjoy it. But I want to start off with a story, okay? Uh, two strangers, a man and a woman. I didn't give you this story. <laughs> two strangers, a man and a woman, meet for the first time, and instantaneously a spark of interest is ignited. They begin meeting once a week for dinner, but that isn't enough. Their growing interest in one another demands more contact. Result, their telephone bill soars. They far surpass the maximum minutes allowed on their cell phones, and their bills move, their bills move from $400 a month to $300 a month. I don't know what kind of cell phone coverage they got, but we need that if it's only $40 a month. You said $400. 40 sorry. You said 400 Move from $40 a month to $300 a month. I was like, $400 to $300, month. that's... So, so they're into it, all right? They're into each other. Big time. All right? So what happened? Did they suddenly fall in love with the idea of telephoning? Did they develop a passion for the cell phone? No, they developed a passion for each other. They used the cell phone as their tool for feeding, maintaining, and developing their passion for one another. No one talked, uh, talked them into their using their phones more or explained to them the benefits of phone usage. It was their passion for each other that drove them, not their passion for the phone. Now, what I want to start uh, off talking about, before something can be restored, it has to be operating good. All right, so, uh, or at least or at least pretty good, uh, or uh, at least operating. So, when, <laughs> when, uh, when me and Charity first started dating, all right, now, it's many, many, many years ago. We are celebrating our 20-year anniversary this year. How many of you think that's a long time? That is a long time. <laughs> she has put up with this old cat for a long, long time. And I remember things shifted after a certain point. I remember uh, I th she came to church one Sunday morning and uh, came to Sunday school. And then I think she came back that Sunday night. And I, I, I can't remember if I sat with you Sunday morning or not. I sat with her Sunday night. I think maybe I drove you home. And uh, at first, Mom and Dad, they was all cool with everything. You know, it was in the beginning stages. You know, we was just, uh, what, that, what do they say now? Talking. Uh, that, that's what they call it I'm now. not cool in those terms. I have no yeah, idea what they yeah. call it. Boys, is that what they call it? You're just talking. Is that what it, what it is? Just, we're just yeah. friends. Yeah, Snapchatting. We didn't yeah, have Snapchat back then. They didn't even have iPhones back then. Did we they? didn't even have a cell phone back then. <laughs> so we had we to actually converse yet. back and forth, you know, uh, in person. And we did write notes. Yeah. But after, I remember after a certain period of time, mom and dad, they seen the shift. I can't, I don't think we was actually, we may not actually been dating yet. But mom and dad seen the shift and then here come the rules. Uh, you know, something's going on. <laughs> you know, there's more than just uh, Charity is his friend type thing. You know, because we've been friends for a long, long time. Uh, we didn't see each other a whole, a whole lot there at, at the end, but we had been friends for a long, long time. So there was a shift. We was starting to develop some passion for each other. Okay, and uh, here come the rules. Well, you got to be uh, uh, only be on the phone maybe a certain amount of time. You got to be home by this amount of time. You can't go over there every day. You know, the passion rose and the restrictions rose. <laughs> uh, and eventually we started dating. And by the time that we got married, basically the, I ate over there. I ate supper over at her house. Basically the only thing that I didn't do kids, close your ears, was, uh, was sleep over there. I mean, we spent all the time. Now, I probably would not let my kids do that at this point in time, to, to be that close to uh, somebody, to where uh, now everybody, to each their own, but I probably, uh, it would, I would probably have a fit if my kids spent all of their time at their girlfriend's house or boyfriend's house, uh, except for just sleeping. But we had got to that point. The passion had done rose. I was like 19, 20 years old. 
Amy. She was, I was just a baby. She was 18. <laughs> yeah, well, her mom and Margaret was thinking, I don't know. But, but we had developed a passion for each other. Okay, and then by the time we got married, I just moved in with her, and we kept on going, kind of like things were, uh, you know, I was pretty much there all the time except for sleeping. So uh, we had developed a passion. Uh, you know, we spent all of our time together. We had become best friends, all right? Now, here is where the problem happens a lot of times. The passion is there a lot of times when we get married, uh, it is. Uh, it's there. Uh, that first it should be if you're going to get married to that person. Yeah, yeah. If <laughs> not, if the passion is not there, maybe you shouldn't get married. But uh, you know, the first six months, year, I think probably two, two and a half years. I mean, we were in love. It was the honeymoon stage. I mean, we were living on love. You know, we we was living at Margaret's house. We didn't have to pay all the bills. She worked. I worked. We had money. We had money, and we would go. It would come Valentine's Day, and we would go. We would go to the, uh, if we wanted to, we would go just right across the river to the Super 8 Motel uh, and stay in the motel so we could be alone and have some alone time. And we would do cool stuff like that. Uh, I think one time we stayed in Dunbar at a hotel. I mean, we would just, we had the money, but, you know, we didn't have no bills. No much. responsibilities except... Yeah. No, no responsibilities that much. Living on love. Living on love. And uh, uh, then, then, as, huh? Well, then we the, moved out on our own. The honeymoon stage kind of dwindles away. We moved into our first apartment. I remember moving to our first apartment, how scared, how scared that I was. We, we knew somebody. We moved in Regency Apartments. You guys may know where that's at. And maybe not, uh, out on Sand Hill Road. And uh, I remember being so scared because we never had to pay for all this kind of stuff before. We, we gave Margaret like some money a week or every other week. That, uh, we had our little bills, every other know, week. the car payment, the insurance. Every other week, yeah. That was it. We well, paid a little plenty, bit toward the other stuff. Had plenty of money. I remember helping somebody in need out. We'd give them like 150 bucks helping them out because we, we had the money. Yeah. And then being so scared when it come time to move to Regency. We had friends that used to live there. And I was calling them, okay, how much did you pay every week for, uh, for heat? How much uh, for electric? How much was your cable bill? I mean, worried to death. Worried to death. And you want to hear how much our rent was? I'm like, man, if we could go back to the days, $240 a month. Yeah. I was like, man. Yeah. Those were two, the days, y'all. $240. You can live off of love that way and still have a little extra love to go around because yeah. that was easy and cheap. But, and but, but we, we, moved, we moved in there. I mean, we had our incidents at, at Margaret's, but, uh, you know, the further and further you go along after the honeymoon stage, you have these things that sprout up and stuff. We ended up having kids. Uh, uh, once we started, we didn't stop until we was done. We kid, 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 you know. And all of that stuff, if we're not careful, it takes a toll on us. And it steals away the passion that we had in the beginning. That's why we, we've got to, Charity was talking about preserving uh, uh, last week, you know. Persevering. persevering, persevering, sorry. I keep wanting to say preserving. But she was talking about persevering and stuff uh, last weekend. I mean, that kind of stuff can go hand in hand, but even preserving-wise, uh, you know, we need to preserve it. We still need to date our spouses and still need to love them. And today what we're going to do, we're going to talk about some things of, of how to restore because uh, what happens, listen, I don't care if we may go to church and we may look like a happy couple out in public. Uh, we may we may uh, act like we don't have any issues at all. Maybe we don't look happy, but we're we're existing and dwelling. If we're not careful, once we get uh, to a certain stage, we get to where we're not uh, we're not lovers, we're not husband and spouse, we're not mates, we're not best friends. We're just two uh, single people coexisting in the same house, and it can be very easy to happen. I remember my grandparents been married for. Who knows how long they, they're done passed away now. They slept in the separate bedrooms. I know why they slept in separate bedrooms. But, uh, you know, but it, it can cause you to, uh, even at that, it can cause you, and maybe you got a valid reason to do that. Maybe you and your spouse does that, but you got to be careful or, or you'll cause that passion to go away. And you, you, the love that you have um, isn't being showed and you just become, uh, you just become, Coexisted in the same 
dwelling place. Well, it's, it's easy whenever you're first together, you know, you say, well, they only have eyes for one another. They only, because we put our whole focus on that person that we're dating or that yes. person that we're engaged to or whatever. Even in that honeymoon stage, that's all you can think about. You're, you're right there and you're just, you're always with them or you're always thinking about that stuff. And then life happens and we have to figure out how to bring kids in, new jobs in, sick parents in, all these things that come together. And that's what, it's just a little bit of tear here. It's a little bit of a stretch there. And that's what so easily causes division that we don't even mean for it to. Um, But life happens, you know, wood floors, you know, wood floors were all the rage 50, 60, 70 years ago. And then we all got dumb and threw carpet over them. And then it all comes back to let's bring the wood floors up. But what do you have to do? They were, they were beautiful at once. And then you do some other stuff through life. And then you go back and you have to restore them. And it's just like a marriage or a relationship. You have to bring that restoration back after time. And, and a lot of different things. I remember you know, what you said. I remember one of our very first conversations uh, with Charity on the phone. And, and this whole, when this began, us. When us be. Uh, uh, yeah, well, when we started leading towards the dating and stuff, what's your favorite color? What, what do you like to eat? What's your favorite food? You know, you're like stretching to find stuff to talk about, and I'm, want, I'm asking her because I'm wanting to learn about her. And apparently somewhere along the way, I have looked at her color eyes or asked her, and we had one of those uh, games. What color are they? They are blue, <laughs> and I will never, ever maybe miss that again because I did that one time at a game at a church that we had, and I, could, I, I botched the color of her After eyes. After we had been married for uh, several so, years. Yes, that's only like been maybe ten what, years or five, better. seven years ago, something yeah, like that. Yeah, long time. So long time. her eyes are blue. If anybody wants to know, her eyes are blue. It don't matter what they look like. It don't matter. <laughs> they are blue. They are blue. All that matters uh, is what your driver's license says, right? <laughs> but but you and see how but let's just take that for instance you see how easy that can happen you know I, I mean I look at her every day okay she is my best friend and and we we I believe we more than just coexist you know we we spend life together but just that simple little question what color was her eyes and I'm thinking I'm thinking green. I mean, even kind of looking at the tent now, they kind of look green from here, you know? But uh, You're not looking closely enough. And, and that's, that's maybe the problem. Maybe the problem, very easily, we just kind of, we stop opening car doors. We stop, listen, Kylie yeah, went to a... When's the last time you did that? Kylie went to a snowball dance. <laughs> Kylie went to a snowball dance the other day, and I'm so proud of that dude. I, I like him that she went with. He come, walked her to the car, okay, and she sat down in the car, and he, walk, he walked away, and he come jogging back to shut the door. Listen, at the school even, she got out, and I heard his mom and dad say, you're supposed to open the car door. And he said, she got out faster than what I could get around there. I'm sorry. But, I mean, they're 13, and... Yeah, so... But, he but did, which I'm sure his daddy had a lot to do with that. In all, in all honesty, though, those of you who's married or, or is dating or whatever, when's the last time they uh, you open the car door for your for I'll your open spouse? the car door for you next time. Thank you, baby. But, but, <laughs> but, but seriously, do you see how how it just kind of we stop caring really as much? Uh, I want. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I want charity to look beautiful for me. You know, not for anybody else. And yeah, it may make her feel good if somebody says she looks pretty. But I want her to dress up and look and look beautiful for me. And I want to look uh, beautiful—not uh, beautiful, handsome, handsome—for for her. I want those. I want those things. And if we're not careful, we stop caring uh, caring so much. We'll go around that. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll go out or something wearing a ratty t-shirt and basketball shorts and flip flops with socks or sandals oh, with not socks. Not with me, you won't. Uh, but yeah. but we stop caring so much, uh, and it's a very easy, uh, easily. And sometimes sometimes we get to the place to where we're fussing and fighting, and and we we stop uh, we stop talking and things like that. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll get to the place to where we stop even caring. We stop caring. Listen, I've talked to people that's had uh, marriage issues, and it's almost like they've already before they even talk to me, they've already gave up on their marriage. They've already gave up on it. 
And they've lost the sense that God can take care of anything. God created the world and he can take care of this. This is not too big for him. But they've already checked out. What, what the, really the root of the problem is they have gotten to a place they don't want it anymore. A lot of people. So, so how do we restore it? How do we restore it? I, I wrote down some, some tips uh, here. And uh, uh, this is the majority of the, of the uh, teaching this morning. How do we restore a message? Or, or, or a, a, a marriage. You know, a, a lot of, whether you're about to get divorced or whether maybe you just don't open the car door a lot, but we all could probably use some restoration in some way, shape, or form. Maybe your wife or spouse or husband or whatever isn't your best friend anymore. I'm, first of all, we need to, to uh, set the stage of what we think uh, an actual healthy marriage is. What do you think a healthy marriage is? A healthy marriage is has communication. Um, communication. It, that's such an awful, dirty word it seems like in in these days. Communication. Not, not yelling back and forth at each other. Not arguing with each other. That's not communicating. Um, but it has communication. Being honest. Being transparent. And, and has that. But even just my thought, which if I don't get it, I'll lose it. When you said, you know, whether we need to come from a place of almost divorce or a place of we've just lost that, that passion or that, that care for one another, the Bible even tells us with Jesus to come back to our, he bids us to come back to our first love. So if we need to do that with Christ and he knows that we're going to get to that place where we're going to let the world jade us and, and put blinders on us, and he calls us back to our first love, we obviously are going to have to do that with one another too. And whether it's marriage or a friendship or a parent, we have to, we have to always work on keeping that relationship restored and keeping it clear and right. But um, communication is the biggest thing really in a healthy marriage. And, and understanding one another, understanding that um, I'm not him and he's not me. He doesn't look at things the way I look at him. He doesn't do things the way I do. We don't at all, nothing. We, we have had some of our biggest, well, some of our fights that we have had is because of miscommunication. She didn't mean it a certain way, and the way she said it, I thought she meant it a certain way, and there you go. <laughs> assuming, assuming that you know what your spouse thinks or what they're meaning or how they feel, um, just because that's your interpretation, or because you, you don't go ahead and take the second to ask, the enemy will take any thought or any any word, I mean, just the slightest sentence of anything and just say, well, do you know what they said? Do you know they meant that? And he does it with everybody. He, he can play off that. But if we, we don't clear the air there, what did you mean by that? What are you trying to say? You know, you can, you can go and communicate that. And that, that's really the number one key to, to a healthy marriage and, and keeping yourself in line with the Lord, your relationship with Christ. Not, I do not control his relationship with the Lord. That is not my job. My job is not for him. Now, do I get mad at him sometimes and go, okay, Lord, you're going to have to do something with him. Because I do. I tattle. I'm like, I'm going I'm to tell the Lord on you. I'm going to Jesus, and he's going to take care of you. I'm done. It's not my job to, to manage his relationship with Christ, though. It's, it's my job to worry about me. And I think, so I think we've even had arguments and maybe fights or maybe one or both or whatever, uh, when we've been saying the same thing and didn't realize we were saying the same thing. It, it's crazy. But communication definitely is a big part of a healthy marriage, spending time together. Now, listen, sometimes you need to get away, maybe if you're getting mad or whatever, but spending time together. And I believe your spouse needs to be one, if not your very top best friend. And we got all the kids, uh, all the kids, uh, young kids ain't out here, but I think you need to have a good intimate relationship too. To, to have a good, healthy marriage, you, I, I think that that is, is uh, a, a prime thing that you need in, uh, in your marriage. You got anything else? I mean, those are some top things. I mean, we could uh, all sit around for days and talk about what, my, what we think makes a healthy marriage. Loving, loving, loving the person like they need to be loved, not how you want to be loved. Uh, 
If, you know, last year we did the, um, the love language quiz, and I've taken it a few times, but go back every once in a while, and especially I've noticed as I've gotten older, um, go back if you're in, find yourself in a different stage of life and take the love language quiz again. If you need a copy, I can print you off a copy. Or, because I took it and I was like, huh, my love languages have changed some. And you, it's like on a scale of zero to 12. And I scored a 12 in one of them this time. And I was like, babe, I took the love language quiz again. I mean, I'm trying to look over all this stuff for this month and the marriage thing. And I was like, my love language thing changed. Guess what my number one is? And he's like, what? And I said, acts of service. And he's like, great. Great. How many dishes do I have to wash? That, I'm like, that's not it. And I think I probably took it at a bad time because I took it whenever he was, was going back and forth when he was going to pick Josh up from practice. And I was tired, and I was really thinking, I just wish that you would pick him up. I, I don't, I just, that's what I need from you today is just pick Josh up from practice. Don't complain because you're tired because I'm tired, and I've been to town four times. And, but take it every once in a while and see, you know, I encourage him, and I want my, they have it even for your kids. Take it with those that you're in relationship with and see how they need love. Inquire on that because it does, Brad, no good if I try to love him in the way that I feel like I need love shown to me. If that's not, if that's not what speaks to him, if that's not what he relates to. And we do that all the time. We love like we want to be loved. Yeah, because it's easy and it makes us feel good. So now that we've set a good, good back, a good platform. So how, what are the steps of restoring? How can we restore? How can we get back to the place to where we have passion like we was dating? Uh, number one, uh, is number one in, in our spiritual lives individually, keep Christ as the center. That's the number one thing. You want your marriage to do good, keep Christ as the center. In every decision, uh, uh, tattle on your spouse uh, if you want to. You tattle on me? Uh, one, huh? Do you tattle to the Lord on me? I don't. I, I may I have give him no. See, apparently I must give him no reason to tattle to the Lord. I pray I for you. <laughs> I pray for areas, but I don't. I'm not so. That's, yeah, that's a nice way of saying I'm I not so sure you. that I tattle. Charity oh, I did this. I may say, I do, Lord, help time. her in this area. I get mad. I'm like, Lord, you're going to do something with it. I do. Just like the kids. They're doing this. I do that to my daddy. But, but that's one, one of the things that me and Charity has had an advantage with. We have always had Christ as the center. We've both messed up. We've both uh, made mistakes. Uh, we've, we've, we've fussed. We've argued. But at the end, uh, at the, uh, even at the end of the argument, when, you know, even, well, even through the argument, we know we still love one another. And we have Christ as a center. Uh, and that makes... Uh, that's, that needs to be number one. Not just in your life, but in your marriage life too. Christ needs to be the center. If, if you look at your marriage um, and your relationship with Christ as a triangle, um, you know, you both start out here at the bottoms of the triangle. But as you put Christ up here at the top, as you both move toward Christ together, you move closer together as well. You're not that's just good. moving. I, that was not me. That's not an original. That's good though. But it is good, but that's not an original. But that, that really spoke to me when I heard that a few weeks ago in one of the series that I was listening to is because if you, you move together, I can't pull him up. We're far enough apart. I can't pull him up. I can't make him come up with me because if I pull him, it's going to pull me down. But if you both move together toward Christ, you move closer together as you move up to that, that place where and Christ is. A lot is. of us, if you try to pull us up, we're going to pull farther down anyway. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we're stubborn. Us guys, we like to do it ourselves. Well, we all are. We all are. We've all got a, a stubborn, rebellious nature that if we're not staying very, very focused on Christ. I've been reading in my, my devotion right now in Exodus about the children of Israel, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, how, how much, if you go back and read what they did in just that little bit of time after they had come out of Egypt, and you look at the children of Israel and how much we reflect the way that they were then and the way that we still are now, then, you know, it's no wonder that we struggle so much in relationship because they were always back and forth. The Bible would say they're rebellious. They don't listen. They don't do. And here we are. We try. They would worship God one day and they were building a calf the next day. And then they were, they were all like, oh, God is God. We're hungry. We're tired. We don't like this. And that's that's the way that we are, and if we're not focused on Christ and keep ourselves right there the whole time, then it goes down really quickly. So, 
Number one is keep Christ as a sinner. Number two, realize that you aren't perfect either. Realize that you aren't perfect either. I'm not perfect. Underline either. If you're taking it, underline that either. Because we expect our, our spouse to be perfect. We're not perfect either. I know I'm not. So let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Yes, I did. But uh, if you don't have time to open up, that's okay. I'll just read it. It says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye met, (laughs) it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite. Boy, that's a big word, isn't it? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see, see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. So, a lot of times, like Charity said, we expect our spouse to be perfect. We judge them on a higher standard than we judge ourselves. We think we can leave our clothes down and uh, when our wives don't do the laundry or they leave something messy or leave the dishes messy, we're all over them or vice versa. Maybe it's tools with the husband in the tool chest. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. Uh, now listen, me and Charity, we, we, we catch this stuff sometimes. Uh, some of the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell on you. Uh, some of the times, some of the things she, she said something to me here the other day. I don't remember what it was. I was like, you do the same thing. You do the same thing. And, and we're all guilty if we're not careful of doing that. You know, some of the things that I may get on to her for or want her to do, it's hard for me to keep up with and do it my, myself. It's very easy. And if we're not careful, uh, it can go to other things in our world, but especially in our marriage, because your spouse sees the sees you uh, more than a lot of the world. So they see the, the rough roughness of you. They see, they see the true colors come out. They see behind the masks that we put on when we're around other people. But... But don't expect them to wash the dishes if you're not willing to keep your clothes thrown, uh, picked up out of the floor. Is this being recorded? Yes, it is. Okay. So it, it says... I'm go back on YouTube later. Let's move on. It, it says, judge not that ye be not judged, okay? For what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And what measure ye, ye met, it shall be measured to you again. So what I hold, what I hold her to a standard of, I'm going to be judged by that same standard, by the good Lord. All right? So if we realize, here's the problem a lot of times. We want grace from our spouses. For, forgive me, honey, I forgot to pick up my clothes. But then we want to jump all down their throat when they don't do something. And, you know, we got to realize that we're not perfect either. Uh, they're not perfect, and we're not perfect either. Neither one of us is perfect. In, in the NLT, I love the way it words this verse. It says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard you will be judged by. So, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all mess up. We all tank it. Uh, and we got to realize that uh, there was a, um, I mean, we just got, we got to, if we kind of realize that we're all going to make mistakes, we're not all going to be perfect, it can uh, lead us towards having a little more grace towards our spouse. And, you know, if we think about it, God has a lot of grace for us. Amen. Think about all the times we mess up. Think about all the times we sin. God shows us grace after grace after grace and after grace. And uh, we need to be like that too. We need to be like that too. Um, uh, the big things, the big things, uh, uh, talking about problems and stuff. If there's big things that your spouse is dealing with, you're probably not going to be able to fix them. Now, yeah, uh, peeing on the toilet seat, you might be able to fix that. Okay? I didn't think of a nicer way to say it. But, I mean, come on. I mean, you may be able to fix that. Putting the toilet paper on the right way, you might be able to fix that. You know, where you leave your purse or your lunchbox in the house, 
leaving your shoes out in the middle of the floor, those things you might be able to fix. But the big problems, the character issues, you're probably not going to be able to fix. You, you can't fix those things. You can't fix um, the character issues. You can't fix the things that are generational that have been passed down and passed down and passed down. The things that you don't see whenever you first get married that surface years down the road that you didn't realize that they would ever struggle with, the things that you didn't realize that, uh, you know, the, the word says, and Kevin talks about all the time, the sins of the father are going to go down to the third and fourth generation. And sometimes they don't show themselves. Most of them, they don't show themselves while you're still engaged. They don't show themselves when you're young and in love. And you see it later when times start getting rough and that stuff surfaces. You can't fix those things. You can't fix the areas that your, your spouse or your significant other that they struggle with. That is only something that can be done through the Lord. He's the only one. So if you're going to try to fix it, you're just going to nag and, and rub that place even. The, uh, the Love Dare book that they had in the, the movie Fireproof, you, you know, uh, how many of you have seen that movie? A lot of, most of us, maybe all of us. But in that book, you know what it's focusing on a lot? You changing yourself and showing love to your partner. Change your perspective. Changing your perspective. That's really what we need to do. Oh, God, you handle it. Work on me. If I'm a better person, then she might become a better person. You know, here, here's a, one of the things that we've always, that well, not so much anymore, but, but she would, she, I can't remember, like she would be like, uh, I would do this if you would do that. And I'm like, well, I want you to do, or maybe I started with, I want you to do this. And she's like, I would do this if you would do that. And I'm like, well, somebody's got to go first and do it. What's the Bible say? Let's move on. <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> let God handle it, all right? Do your part, do your role. The, man, the leader needs to go first, uh-huh. I know. But, uh, I love the Bible. Uh, where's Brother Mike? <laughs> Brother Mike, stop recording yet. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the leader, leader needs to go first. But, but really, let God handle those big issues. You focus on loving. You do your part. Focus on loving and God working on you and let God handle the rest. He can do a better job than you can anyway. Number three, we need to pick up a pace here a little bit. Number three is forgive. Realize that you aren't perfect either, uh, but your spouse isn't perfect, but also forgive. Matthew 18, 22 says, Jesus saith unto him, I shall not, I say not unto thee until seven times, but even, uh, but until 70 times seven. So how much do, if I, if Charity makes me mad and upset, how much do I have to forgive her? She does it over and 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 over. Every single time. This is 70 times seven. If I do it that What is that? What is that? 490 times? 490 times is what the Bible says. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot to take in. I mean, do you realize that, I know we say those things and we know them, but that's a lot to take in. It's like there is no room for unforgiveness in that. Jesus did not leave any room to go and be bitter, to go and be frustrated, nothing. I don't always have to like what he's doing. I don't, um, and we don't. I mean, don't think that we're saying, oh, I, I do not always like what he does, and he does not always like what I do. There are times that we butt heads. There are times that we flat out fight because we've, we do. I mean, we don't fist fight, but we argue we argue, and we don't see each other's perspective. We, we don't. Fight. Huh? We tickle fight. No, you tickle, I fight. <laughs> <laughs> then we do maybe fist fight a little bit. <laughs> I don't like that. That's not my love language. Um, but there is no room for that. No matter how much I'm aggravated, no matter how much, oh, I get so mad sometimes. But there's no room right there. 490 times a day. I mean, do you know how many times that is an hour? That's like 40 times an hour almost. What, 12 times 4 is 48. That's like 
40 times an hour, people. I mean, come on. That's a lot. That's like every minute you have to forgive somebody almost. Well, listen to this. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If I don't forgive you, then I'm not going to be forgiven of by the Father. Now, that breaks it right down where the rubber meets the road. We get upset at our spouse. We have to forgive them or we won't be forgiven. We, that could cost us our, our, our soul train ride to heaven. Okay? That, that could cost us our eternity in heaven. So, so we've got to make sure we forgive. Got to make sure. Number four. Everybody say number four. Number four. Number four. Believe God can fix it. Believe God can fix it. God is big enough to take care of anything. There, there may be times uh, we think this won't change, but God can change it. I know that there was one particular thing in my life that uh, the, the, the devil, would, he would try to lie to you. And he, he tried to put in my mind, you know, this isn't never going to change. It's always going to be this way. And it was something that I was pretty passionate about, and I, I, I liked it, and I, I did not like where we was at. Have you ever had those times in your marriage to where you just, there was this one thing you did not like where it was at. You did not like how life was taking it. You did not know, and if you're not careful, the devil will put that lie in there, and you'll buy right into it. This is never going to change. This is the way it's going to be. And what that does, that costs separation. If you allow it, that, that would cause resentment between me and charity if I allowed it. But see, God can take care of it. And that, that thing that I was talking about earlier, he proved me wrong. God took care of it, and he fixed it, and it, it, it's not the same way that it used to be. See, there is nothing too big for God, and we got to realize that. I don't care if your husband's not saved. I don't care if he's an alcohol, uh, alcoholic, if he's the worst person out there, and he comes home every night and, and just trash talks you all night. It is not too big that God cannot fix. It's not too big. Or wives. Or wives, yes. Don't, not just husbands. It, it is not too big. If, if we look at the things that we look at the miracles in the Bible and think, Oh, when are we going to see this? He does the same thing. He can't do it. But, but we have to let him do it. And a lot of times he's not just going to fix it. He's going to show us what to fix in us. Um, and it goes right back. He shows us what to fix in us. What do I need to do? What, you know, what is there in me that I need to change? And, and a lot of times that is simply just staying in prayer and laying it at his feet. Every day, every time the torment comes, every time we have that, that's what, that's what it is, is us surrendering ourselves to him and saying, God, I know you can do this. If you look at, um, in the Bible, in the story where the man comes and his daughter is dying and he's asking Jesus, come. And he said, don't you believe? He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And a lot of times that's where we are. I, we know that God can do it. We believe that God can do it, but we still have that doubt. And it's, I believe God that you can do it, but help my unbelief. And, and lay it at him every day and let him do what he does best. Next, next thing is look at the positive. Look at the positive. Uh, I've talked about it before here at the church. If I would let myself dwell on negative thoughts about charity while I was at work, even stuff that she ain't even doing. Uh, I, I've, seriously, I've, I've been at work before and I've thought, um, <laughs> I, I wonder, what would I do if charity was to cheat on me? That's, I mean, and, the enemy's sneaky like that, guys. And, You'll put thoughts weird and, weird and random, and you think, what? But yep. if you're not wise enough to, to realize that is the enemy, those are, if it's random and strange, it's you, you let not that God. go. You let that go, and before you know it, you're in a foul mood, uh, really, and you're, you're plotting out your revenge <laughs> of something she hadn't even done. I'm serious, I've been there. I thought, what would I do if Char Charity was to cheat on me? You know, if I was to walk in. You know, come home early from work or something. And I'm like, here I am. I'm going over a scenario in my head. And it is something she ain't even, ain't even done. And I'm already thinking shotguns and, or shotgun. And, really? Yeah. Who I would. Who, uh, yeah. What's really going on is me and McKenna yeah. are watching some kind of YouTube video, I'm sure. It's been a while. Frozen. It's been a while. But, but look at the positive. Don't let yourself, and even if you do have a fight or an argument uh, or, or something like that or some, some uh, strong words and stuff, if you're not careful, what you do is you sit and you dwell on that negativity. 
Okay, I need to look at the positive in her. I need to look at, uh, 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 yes, she might not have did this around the house, but she did do this and this and this, and I'm thankful for that. You know, so look at the positive. Look at the positive. Moving on, uh, next thing is compromise. Compromise. Adjust your expectations to what God wants, not your model of what they should be. We can hold a high standard that cannot be lived if if we're not careful. Adjust your expectations to what God wants. Compromise. Compromise with your spouse. Pick your battles. That's how you compromise. You pick your battles. Um, I seen one thing online that said, rotate uh, who gets their way. (laughs) You know, meet in the middle. Uh, Work out a thing, uh, you know, uh, this time... This time, uh, we'll do it your way. We'll watch Hallmark Channel for this movie. But the next movie, you're watching some Sylvester Stallone uh, uh, Expendables or something with me. You know, uh, rotate. Rotate who gets their way. Do you know, so often we look and we still let society dictate what marriage is supposed to look like or what a husband's role should be or what a wife's role should be. And, and it is. Let God set the standard. Of, of that together and be partners together and do that. And don't, don't look at society. I mean, it used to be television or magazines. Now it's the internet and you've got all these stories telling you, I mean, you can look at the news. I don't watch the news. I, I keep up on headlines of the major stuff going on, but I don't watch the news. It's full of negative stuff. And usually it's just one news story telling you another news story that's all about the way they think that you should think. It's not news it's not anything like that but yet they they always just bring society in and what what you should look like how you should feel how why isn't your man acting like this or why doesn't your wife look this way or do it and we have let society shape what marriage and relationship should look like that we've lost God's vision for marriage and for families and compromise is a good way to do it not compromising your standards but compromising the fact that you don't always get your way. You just, we don't. We teach our kids that, but we forget that as we get older. We feel like we're justified or something to get what we want. And, and I put something on here, and, uh, you know, uh, one way that you can compromise is to bargain, you know. Well, if, uh, if uh, you know, you'll do this, I'll wash your dishes for you. You know, uh, <laughs> We do it in our house. I, I'll take What's the kids. What's it worth to you? You want to do this? What's it worth? And we bargain <laughs> and compromise with, with each other that way. I'll go pick Josh up if you'll pick him up the next three days. <laughs> I mean, uh, really. But, but bargain, compromise. I mean, good, healthy now bargain. Now that Blake has his license, he's going to be the one so. doing it. There's not, we're both going to compromise and just send Blake to do all the work that we don't want to do. So uh, next thing, resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now I'm going to get a little personal with you, okay? One of the ways uh, that uh, I, my, dad, my daddy told me this years ago, that one, once there starts to be trouble within a marriage, uh, the, the woman wants to start being less intimate and uh, wants to pull away from that. I can bring you scriptures to, uh, to uh, caution you guys, and I'm going to read it out of Holman because uh, it's a little bit more uh, easier to read and easier to understand. It's coming from 1 Corinthians 7 and 5. It says, Do not deprive one another sexually except when you agree for a time to devote yourself to prayer. Then come again. Actually, King James Version says fasting and prayer. Then come together again otherwise. Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self control. All right. Now, I, you've got to be cautious because in this in this area, you know, you and your spouse, you know, you set your guys' own standards of of what works intimately for you. Uh, you know, by having the Lord lead that and guide that and all. But what happens a lot of times when there's an issue, when something arises, sometimes it may be just something of having trouble financially, not enough money. You start not feeling happy or whatever. Maybe uh, maybe the enemy's attacking you a little bit, and you'll want to pull away 
intimately. You've got to be careful because that can be a tactic of the enemy to put separation between you guys. Right here in the Word, you can read it, King James Version or Holman like I did. You know, it says, um, King James Version says, defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent. Okay, basically don't withstand from one another. Now you, you guys work out your own standard, but don't hold yourself one another. That's the first thing women a lot of times, they want to do uh, when issues, uh, and it's the truth, when issues arise, that's the first thing a woman wants to do, probably because they don't feel close, is, is, is jerk that away. Okay, but be cautious to do that. Do not withstand except with consent. Something you two come together and say, we're going to do this for a time of prayer and fasting. Guys, we can fast that. I don't want to, but we can. We can, and we can use that in a, in a place of fasting. But it says that you, it says, and come together again, because if you don't, Satan may tempt you. We don't need Satan tempting us anymore. We don't need that. So, resist the enemy. Resist those urges to pull away. And it, it's not only just intimately, even in our communication and things like that. Don't, re, don't give in to the enemy because the first thing, when I get mad at charity, I want to go down to my den and I want to be away. I, wanna, I, feel, I feel separation. I feel we, separation. We do it in every relationship, though. If you are friends with someone and you get frustrated or they hurt you, they offend you, they say something that just gets under your skin a little bit, what do we do? We don't talk to him for a while. We, we put that separation there. I'm just like, well, I just, I don't feel, I don't want to talk to them today or I'm just not that close. And, and we do it in marriage. It's just that we do it in our home instead of through, you know, having coffee dates or on via text or, um, you know, seeing that person or whatever. And it is the first way that the enemy tries to devise every time. That, that little bit of separation and then we pull back and suddenly... That relationship is, is already strained right there. So we do have to be very careful. So, yes, be careful. And the last but not least, love the best way that you can. Whether that's opening the door, whether that's cooking supper, whether that's whatever it is, love the best way that you can. Amen. Let's all stand. Now... If everybody would just bow your head and close your eyes here for just a little bit. Uh, this is the last sermon or teaching, whatever, in this sermon series. And here's what I would like to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you have some issues in maybe, maybe you're married and you're having some issues in your marriage, maybe... Maybe it's just relationship issues. Maybe you're not married. Maybe it's a relationship with a friend or a coworker or something. If you're having relationship issues, would you just raise, just slip up your hand this morning? Amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? I see those hands. Anybody else? Here's what I want to do. Amen. Right now, I want to pray. You can stay seated where you're at. But I want to pray over you because these, these things, the things that we went over today is how God can restore those. And these, you know, we talked about different things, but they can work in relationships. Relationships uh, also, compromising, putting Jesus first. Uh, and here's the thing, if it's not a spouse and it's a co-worker or something, sometimes we may have to limit, uh, putting Jesus first means that we may have to limit sometimes our connectivity with those people as much as we can. And listen, I, you cannot lose sight of the fact that God can fix it all. He can fix it all. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the situation is, God can fix it all. Everybody say, God can fix it. 
Father God, right now I pray for each and every one of these uh, people that raise their hands. Father God, I pray that you touch them. Anybody, Father God, that maybe was too scared to raise their hands or didn't, but has relationship issues, we speak unto each and every one, Father. We pre- we speak that you will take care of it, Father. That we, uh, all of us, Father God, help us all in our relationships. Help us to be able to relate and be the Christian witness that we need to be. Not hold a too high of a standard that we can't live uh, uh, ourselves. To them, Father, let us put you first. Let us compromise. Let us forgive. In all of these things, Father God, that we learned about today, let us do those, Father God, in every relationship that we are in. 80% of this thing that we do called our Christian faith is relationship-based, Father God. And we must be able to deal with relationships. If our spouses are unsaved, Father God, we declare that they will come in. We declare that we will love them to the foot of the cross. We will love them no matter what they're doing. We will love them and we will forget, uh, forgive. And we will even forget, Father God, if, if that's possible, that we'll even forget the things that they do, Father. And we will love them like we need to love them. And we will not give up on you. We will not give up on you. Everybody say, we will not give up. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen and can amen. I, can I add something? Yes. You know, just right there in that prayer. So often we will say, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget what you did. Do we not? We'll say, I, have, I forgive them, but I'm not, I, don't, I remember what they did. I'm not going to do that. And we let ourselves have that way. But we have to forgive and forget. It might be a process. Um, it might be whether you've been wounded, you know, just on the surface or whether somebody has deeply, genuinely hurt you, we have to forget because Jesus doesn't forgive us and then hold it against us what we've done. When he forgives us, he forgets it. And that's one of the things that we have to do. And it's a process that we have to let the Lord work through with us, but we have to forgive and forget um, your spouse or whoever it is that, that you are in relationship with where the strain is. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. I'll do that tonight. I'll do that tonight. I forgot this morning. Um, how many of you got anything out of this? Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? Awesome, awesome. Listen, the next time you see your spouse, just come up to them and say, baby. Come on. Now, now if, if your spouse is here, put your arm around them, look at them. Come on. Now, Becky, stand, Becky, stand up. Becky, stand up. Now, now, put your arm around them. Really, Blake? All right, now look them right square in the eye and say, baby. Baby. I'm stuck on you. I'm stuck on you. Because you're stuck on me. Because you're stuck on me. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Come back tonight at 4 o'clock. We love you. God bless you.